Welcome to the world on the hill with the lanky guys. That was Sam Powell. Absolutely. My name is Dr. Scott Powell. And I am not either a Powell or a Powell. I'm Father Peter Musset. That is true. We are here at Camp Voitiwa. My son Sam is here. Sarah T. Tran is up here. We got Keenan Fitzpatrick. We have a little, a tiny little audience. Tiny, teeny little audience with us here in the wilderness. We're literally recording outside of a tent. And and there's going to be wind. So if it's windy where you are, then... <laughs> then we're in solidarity. With then you. we're in solidarity. Yeah, we're and connected. That's going to be wonderful. So um, this uh, is going to be... We're up here at Camp Waitiwa, which... Where are the, when are the kids going to come? Today or next week? I don't know when. Just Camp Waitiwa. I don't know. Yes, we are. We do know when the kids are coming, actually. They're coming in a couple weeks. But we are, this is actually day, the first full day of Cambodia staff training. So we got college students and seminarians from all over the country training them to be outdoor educators and teachers of the faith. And Father Peter is our first chaplain. Dude, and I just First in it. our hearts. And I am first in, in primacy as well, mm. actually. Literally, I said mass today before all the other priests oh could get here. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I have to say, um, so last night it, it was wonderful. I was going to bed and like the rain started falling and I was like, oh, it's wonderful and it's so gentle. And then I forgot <laughs> about all of, the, all of the all of the counselors who were like mm. so excited from their like from like North Carolina, from Texas. They're like sleeping out under the stars. And then this morning we're getting all of the stories of people yeah. like literally sop monsters because they didn't sop actually. Sop monsters. <laughs> because they didn't decide to come in. Before it started really raining, yeah. when it was still gentle and kissing, or as as I told Sam earlier, <laughs> I said, I said, I said, I said, this is when God spits on us a little bit, but it's not is bad spit. You told spit. Sam, yeah, it's, it's not it's bad not spit. Bad this is spit. good spit. <laughs> well, I'm going to see that played out in his life soon. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for that one, uh, Father. I just have to point out how strange this is. Now we're down to just Keenan. So we have a, it's you and me and an audience of one. Of which is, <laughs> I'm really happy you're here. Keenan, what do you have to say to the, to the folks? Just serving up Cheetos and Red Bull. All right. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> there you go. I, br- I brought che- uh, Flamin' Hot Cheetos Limon. He did. I and, left the, the gummy worms in the office. And some, and some Red Bull just because I had a feeling that the gummy worms weren't going to be here. Ew, really? Oh, yeah. you think I ate them all yesterday? No, did mm. you've eaten a whole bag in a sitting before? Lay off, lay off. It is the <laughs> tenth Sunday of ordinary time. Yeah, don't be so tenth it's about the tenth everything. Sunday? How is it already the tenth Sunday of ordinary time? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so dude. Look at Keenan laughs at my jokes. <laughs> you should just you should just have Keenan walk around with you all day every day just to laugh. <laughs> yes, it is that I am not trying to be tenth, but it is the tenth Sunday of ordinary time, which does still sound surprising to me. And um. Well, you know what I was I was thinking about this here because we like lose a couple of days here and there, but because the <laughs> <laughs> because of daylight savings time because it, no because of um, Holy Trinity Corpus Christi <laughs> and Pentecost and Ascension. Yeah, no, it's true. It always is strange to me that we don't pick up like those are not. How do I say this? They don't. We don't like pick up with you know if it's the second Sunday of ordinary time, and then there's some solemnity in between. It's not then the third one, the next Ordinary Time Sunday. It just actually skips those Sundays. It's I don't know if that made any sense. But it's, <laughs> thank all you, very, it's, no, it's all very helpful. confusing. It's very confusing. Anyway, 
So Our first reading, Father Peter, is from First Kings Ooh. 17, 17 to 24. You better believe it is. The One widow King of Zarephath. 17, 17. Our psalm, responsorial psalms, coming from Psalm 30, verse 2, 4, 5 through 6, 11, 12, 13, and our response itself is from 2A. Hey. Hey, hey, dude, it's a Canadian response. Eh? Okay. The- <laughs> Keenan's laughing. This is the best. <laughs> Keenan laughs at everything. I love it. Because it's Keenan's I love Canadian. It. Keenan's Canadian. Dual okay. citizenship. And then um, Galatians. Wow, this is a splintered reading. <laughs> yeah, 1, 11, and 19. What? That's not what I have. A reading from St. Letter to the Paul to the Galatians. I have chapter 1, verse 11 through 14a, then 15a through c, then 16a, then 17, then 19. Wow, that's like It's splintered. very splintered. Yeah. That's why I said that. I don't even understand, dude. I don't get it. The Gospel of Luke is coming from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. 7, 11. Is this a, it, this one's a um, palindrome. 71117. Palind- oh palindrome, Keenan. With, with a one in the center. Yeah. So, Father Peter, what's what's the deal with First Kings? First Kings is, uh, is like, it's filled with, uh, it's a really interesting book. Um, it's a pretty quick read, you know. What? You being sarcastic? <laughs> I, I, know, I don't know anything about the, the context <laughs> oh, of the First Kings. Dude, you're the context, man. I just, I'm just trying to make conversation. <laughs> I know. I know that there's this dude named Elijah. Oh, no. And then he, like, phases off against the uh, the priests of Baal. Mm. And, like, he cuss, uh, he cuss him up, dude. And, like, there's a, there's a then there's also, like, there's also a moment where there's, like, a big drought. Yeah. And then there's, like, a... A woman with a jar of wheat and flour, of wheat and oil. That's where we are now. Oh, we're in the wheat and oil jar. Yeah, we're with the widow of Zarephath. See, oh, see, okay, yeah, because she was going to make some cakes, well, go funny. and then die with her son. Which is not the part of the reading that we get this week. We get what comes afterwards. Which, I mean, I, I know we've even done a podcast on this reading before. I actually forgot about this passage entirely. Me, me too. I I didn't. That's why I was reading it, and I was like, is yeah. this the same woman? Well, yeah, and because it's funny, we. And I, I don't know, remember you guys, I feel like we've talked about this at least a couple times on the podcast. There's this great story of Elijah. Remember Elijah, in so many ways, Elijah and then Elisha, who is sort of the major prophet after him, he takes the baton from Elijah. They um, are types of John the Baptist and Jesus. Yes. And actually, they do a lot of the same kinds of miracles that you'll see Jesus doing in the gospel. So multiplying loaves of bread, healing people who are sick, raising people from the dead. Which is actually where we're going to get in the gospel exactly later on, right. is, 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 is raising up a child who's died. Yeah, exactly right. And it's, um, it's funny, Elijah is the one we probably know best because we hear about Elijah a lot. Yeah. But it's Elisha who comes afterwards who does miracles that are far greater than Elijah. So Boom. everything that Elijah does, Elisha does double. Just so, kind of like Luke Acts. Like how, how actually Acts. They oh, oh the taking, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were making a, you had your joke face on. <laughs> I'm going to make a joke. Dude, that's because I, I, <laughs> I've Keenan sitting right here, yeah. and I just want to make him laugh is really the truth of it. He's. Oh, he gave a soft laugh. <laughs> <laughs> he gave it. It was. This, it was. Well, we all get soft laughs once in a while. That's, that's um, the truth. It is the truth, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh huh. What were we, Elijah and Elisha? Yeah, he does double. Oh yeah, Luke acts. So Luke, the, the, yeah, thank you. The, the the whole thing is is that the, the church takes up double and does what Jesus does, but like just multiplies it, just yeah. blows it out of the water. And again, I. I Obviously, I know what you're talking about, but for the sake of nuance, it's Jesus does it through the church. Thank and that, that's the beauty of this whole pedagogy is that 
that's why there's something new with Jesus that didn't exist anywhere in the Old Testament. And that's the whole book of Hebrews is about why Jesus and the church is so much greater than the, all the things that came before. Because everything that came before, it's all about the patriarchs. It's all about the prophets. It's all about, and the God for whom they're proclaiming. But in the New Covenant, it's really not about you at all. It's about Christ is actually active through you. He, it's his priesthood. Yes. You're not the priest. You're not the prophet. You're not the king. I mean, you have those things only because Jesus is ultimately those things. You're participating in participate Christ's in. priest, prophecy, and kingship. Yeah. Yeah, and so Elijah is setting the stage for that in a lot of ways. So this, where we come from, so uh, Elijah, by the way, he's the prophet. He's up in the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom is a disaster. So Israel's had her civil war. They've split, split north to south. The northern kingdom has started their own thing. They've built their own temples. They're worshiping other gods. They've got their own priests. It's, it's terrible. And Elijah is kind of going around thinking, am, am I the only one faithful? And he's going to slowly discover, no, there's more people who are faithful. And he comes across this widow at a place called Zarephath, which is up by Tyre and Sidon, right on the Mediterranean coast. And um, he, he, it's this crazy miracle. Again, we've talked about this before. He Hold sees on. this widow gathering sticks. Hold on, isn't Tyre and Sidon like the northernmost point of the Pretty northern much. point? Yeah, uh, Ty- Sidon is higher, is further north than Sidon. Yeah, because whenever Tyre. we see Jesus go... Sidon is further north than Tyre. <laughs> Dude, who are you siding with? Come oh, on. No, no, no. I'm getting tired of these jokes. Oh, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yes, tell me more. Uh, the well, northernmost, yeah. Well, yeah, whenever we see Jesus go up to like Tyre and Sidon, we know that he's actually making a total gesture yeah. towards the entirety of Israel. Yeah, exactly. So, so Because a- Jerusalem, or Bethlehem, really, is one of the furthest points south. Right. So his ministry is, it, it's the totality it's of Israel. It's the totality. Yeah, yeah. And so in a certain sense, so th- this is the northern point. Mm. Northernmost point of the Northern Kingdom, and the westernmost point because it's on the coast. So it's it's kind of it's like this the Seattle of it is the Seattle of Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there's this widow, and she's picking up sticks. No, it's good. I like. It. I just had nothing else to say. <laughs> I don't either. She's picking up sticks, and he's like, "Can you bring me some water?" Which is so reminiscent of Jesus and the woman at the well. Oh yeah. Can you give me a drink? So there's, there's all sorts of overtones of things. So give me some a jar so I can have a drink. And she went to get it, and he yelled after, hey, bring me some bread, too, <laughs> which I've never noticed that tone, but he has it. Um, and she's like, well, I don't have any bread. I, I have a jar full of, of uh, oil and a little, a little flour in a jar and a little bit of oil. I'm gathering sticks to make a meal for myself and my son. Then we're going to eat it, and we're going to die because that's all we've got, and we're done. And Elijah, the shocking response is, okay, well, bring me one anyway, and whatever you have left, you guys can have, which just sounds so hard and he's doing it at the prompting of the lord the, the holy spirit is 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 prompting this but and, and this woman the fact that she does i mean and and in in especially in the middle eastern culture the idea of hospitality is is huge it's 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 the one of the pinnacle things that you can do is show hospitality for another um, this is, you know, the, the story of Abram. Some of you have entertained angels unaware. You know, we never know how God is going to be revealed in the hospitality that we give to the least of those who are around us or even the, the best of those. We, we just don't know. So this, this culture of hospitality, he knows that if he asks her for this, really culturally speaking, she can't say no. So, dude, dude I actually, when I think about this, I actually think that a little, this is a little bit what you and Annie do. When you're forming counselors for Camp Waitiwa. Hey, poor people, give me your bread. Absolutely. You say, you know what? You're coming up here, and there's a poverty of material possessions. There's a poverty of housing. 
and mm. give me what you have left. Give give to us who are serving the Lord what you have and the abundance that <clears throat> flows and the grace that takes place when people are actually extended beyond what they think poor is. Mm. And I think that that's a spiritual principle in absolutely every single one of our lives. I think that the Lord is actually constantly going, and you're like, oh, you don't think you have anything left on that little particular aspect of your life? Give me some. Right. And you're like, I, I don't know how to tithe. I don't know how to give. I don't know how to yeah. give out of this this thing that is actually so risky for me already. I'm so I'm so extended already. Mm. And then, and then the Lord's like, no, no, give it to me. And then it's like, that's actually terrifying. And I think this, I think this is a spiritual principle that will echo f- for eternity, actually. Well, it's, it's the fact that you say it's terrifying. Elisha's response to this woman is don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid to show hospitality. And I'm, I mean, there's so many things that that's, that's gracious of you to, to see camp that way. But, but so many, even tithing, you know, there, how yeah. many times or how many people do we know that like. I don't have any money extra in the account to give to the church this month. I don't, you know, I don't have anything to give to the guy on the side of the street. I'm struggling, but how is taking that ultimate risk? Like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the next, you know, paycheck if I do this, right. but I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust in God's faithfulness. So it's this great story. And, and then, you know, you have this miracle about the multiplication of the jar and the oil and the flour and it, and it, it lives on. But then you get to our reading this week and then you get to the but, which is then it says sometime later, the son of the woman became ill and he became worse and worse and worse, which is her fear. She knew that, look, we're going to make this last of our food and we're going to die because we're going to get ill and we're not nourished. And yes, there's this miracle, but you get the sense of, okay, there's this great miracle, but he got sick and he died anyway. Like, great, but God, you didn't really, you showed up for a little while, but then you just abandoned us. And Elijah's still there. He's still sleeping on the couch. And she's (laughs) she's ticked off. She's like, you did this to us. And as much hospitality as she showed, she's like, my son is dead now, and it's your fault. And you've done this. this. Have you come to to me to call attention to my guilt Mm. and to kill my son? That's the worst. And you're just waking up on the couch. You're like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe I should go. Yeesh. Yeah, and he has this response. He's like, give me your son. And he took him from her arms. He carried him to the upper room where he was staying. He laid him on a bed, and he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, you've brought tragedy upon this widow that I'm staying uh, with. Have you brought tragedy upon this widow I'm staying with, causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times. Catch that. He stretches himself out. He, he in a certain sense, participates in death three times. Oh. Three movements of a participation in death, and oh. then cries out, "Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him." And like of course, baptism, it's totally Father, Son, Spirit entering into death three into times, and, and even Jesus Himself, He enters into the grave for three days. These threes, this, Dude, and that's why we baptize. Before, yeah. I actually didn't see it until just now reading it. Yeah, that's I'm like that's really pretty intense. cool. And then, of course, His life returns to Him, and He comes back, and His Son is alive, and everyone rejoices. Um, yeah, it, it's this profound miracle. But again, what's so, if you're living around Tyre and Sidon, if you're living in Zarephath, even in the time of Jesus, surely you know this story. This yeah. has got to be a well-known, well-told, well-heard story. Oh, yeah, because you're going to be, I mean, I'll tell you, I've been tell, I'm out here at Camp Wittu and I'm telling stories. Mm. <laughs> <about when laughs> yeah, Scott tried to feed me a dead bird on a bagel once. Yeah. Um, a snowboarding incident. A snowboarding that incident unsaid. that was very embarrassing mm. for everybody involved. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that what Jesus is going to do is going to blow this out of the water. 
Because remember, Elijah is the greatest prophet that Israel had ever known. He is the he is Elijah, even though it's really Elisha who does double portions of what he did. It's Elijah who's known to be, he's the best of the best. And what Jesus is actually going to do is blow everything that, that Elijah did out of the water. And not only that, to your point, then the church that Jesus founds is going to come and blow everything else out of the water. Absolutely. And we're actually, it's not just about Jesus in his short life on earth in the Middle East. It's about how he empowers us to participate not only in what Elijah does, but even greater than what Elijah did, which yeah. is unprecedented, unthinkable if you're um, living in this time. Yeah. Which to which the only proper response is the responsorial psalm, right? Psalm 30, which says, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. And which not only is that, <laughs> I mean, so I'm thinking about this psalm and I'm trying to connect it to the first reading and I'm like, you can see this coming out of the mouth of the widow, right? You've rescued me. You've rescued my son. You've brought him back to life. So I'm going to praise you. That's good. But I just, I don't know. I'm considering now that coming out of the mouth of Elijah, who is a very human guy. He struggles a lot in his story. But here he is. He's like, okay, this great miracle was done through my hand, this multiplication of bread and oil. And now I'm here, but the son died anyway. Uh-oh. Not only is my reputation going to be ruined? Nobody else is going to take me in. Nobody's going to be hospitable to me because I killed a kid. Oof. Not only, not to mention the fact that I've brought death upon this family. He's got to be like freaking out. Like, I, Lord, I tried to do what you asked me to do. Yeah. I've tried to call this woman to hospitality and do all these things. And her son is dead because of me? What do I do? And in a certain sense, it's God who also rescues Elijah. Mm. Not just to save face, but to be like, no, it's okay. I've got this. I'll rescue you from this thing that's going to ruin your prophetic life in a very real way. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can hear echoed in these lines, a lifetime uh, for his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime, his goodwill at nighttime weeping enters in, but with the dawn rejoicing. Yeah. And so, so we're, we're seeing echoes already in the Psalm of like, how dark, dude! I bet you Elijah was freaking out. Yeah, I and and like had to call. And you can see it in his words. Serious, serious faith. Yeah, have pity on me, O Lord, be my helper. But now you've changed my mourning into dancing. I will give you thanks forever, Lord, because so I I can imagine actually Elijah, dude, he started he started break dancing after the kid came alive again, dude. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious, dude. It was some popping and locking, dude. Popping and locking. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. You can use your imagination in these things. It I do. It doesn't hurt, you know. Well, I mean, not to make it, not to put a serious note on it, but I mean, the, the Hebrew people are a very bodily, I mean, the, the idea of even prayer. I mean, maybe you've seen, you know, movies or, or, or pictures of Father, well, yeah, but that it's, it's a cultural thing. I mean, you... If you've seen a movie of, you know, Jewish rabbis in the Holy Land or something, the they, they're like rocking the back and forth and moaning. It's a bodily thing. It's called davening. Davening. But I it's haggahing as well. Haggah is this this idea of a, a visceral sound actually coming Do, out of your prayer. I have to but, say that haggah sounds like onomatopoeia. I'm just saying. Haggah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. But I wonder if, you know, his, he lays his body on top of this dead boy three times. 
and and I think of it in my very you know kind of Western, very methodical, like oh I'm going to do this three times and it, maybe that will work. It actually, but it I bet actually it's like weeping, like oh no, like falling over out of agony and sorrow. Yeah. I don't know if it's this like oh I will do this three times and that will work. I just but, kept on thinking about hypothermic recovery. Yeah, well that's it is the Middle East on hot. Yeah, so I don't think anybody's <laughs> getting hypothermia. I'm just maybe saying. not, but. And I, I actually think it's a fantastic um, segue into into the second reading from Galatians. In Galatians, just a tiny bit of background, Galatians... Um, uh, first off, Galatians stands for Galilee. Those are the people who live in Galilee. No, they're not. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. Why are you confusing the people? <laughs> you lead the people astray. Hold on. You're really getting <laughs> a kick why, out of it, too. Why, yeah, I am getting a kick. Hold on. Galatia? Galatia is a region in... In Asia Minor, it's present-day Turkey. Dude, are you calling me a Turkey? Ah, yeah. I can see that coming from a mile away. Aha, yeah, it's present-day Turkey. Um, it's it's not one place, but a series of churches. Uh, it's fairly rural, but what it, some people think there's debate, but some people think it might have been Paul's first letter, and it's definitely his most ticked-off letter. And it's this letter where he's he's established this church in Galatia. He's preached the gospel there. They're doing their thing. And apparently these false teachers have come in and misled them. And Paul's really ticked off about how easily misled they've been. And they're like, yeah. wait a second. Somebody just came in and started preaching another gospel? And you're like, you jump on board? And at one point he even says, oh, stupid Galatians, you know, for, for being bewitched by these bad teachers. So he's ticked off. But one of the things that's happening, and this is important to know for really most of Paul's letters, Paul has this problem, which is... He will go around and he will establish these churches. He will preach the gospel. He will leave people behind. He will ordain people to basically lead the churches in his absence. And then he's got to have this constant fear about what's going to happen. Like what right. when I leave, like, you know, you've put a lot of time and prayer and work and sweat and blood into St. Thomas Aquinas to make right. this ministry what it is. Absolutely. And someday you could be called away to another church. And I think that'd just be a painful, like, What's going to happen? Who's going to come in after me? You know, that's scary. It would, it would be like handing off Camp Waitiwa to another couple. Oh, like Keenan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Keenan. <laughs> but, but his fear is very grounded because usually when he leaves, someone does come in and mess everything up. Yeah. And what they're doing, though, it's not just that. So imagine not only are you moved to another parish, but the person who comes in after you is like, Father Peter was wrong and lied to you about everything. And everything he taught you and everything he did and showed you was a lie I don't, because he's I don't, evil. I, can you stop talking now? But isn't that the worst? No, yeah, it just hurts too much to yeah. even to even think about what that would what that experience would be is so painful. And Paul, at one point, it's in Philippians. He says something like, "Well, that's happening, but you know, if people are still hearing about Jesus Christ through my being backstabbed, then praise be to God." So he's got this attitude that's amazing. Yeah. But in Galatia. He's in this letter. He's he's on the defensive because people have come. They've said Paul lied to you. He watered down the gospel. He didn't teach you the truth. We know better. Blah blah blah. And so Paul, in this part of Galatians, basically says, "Hey, I want you to know this gospel I preached to you. It's not about me. These teachers appear to make want it to be about them." He's like, "No, it's not of human origin. I didn't receive it from some guy on the street. I was taught it from Jesus Christ Himself." This is not my gospel. It's Jesus's gospel. It's not about me and my work and all these things. And he gives. You know, his resume, basically. Look, I was so zealous. I persecuted the church. I was the, this this zealous Jew for the faith, and I did all these things. And then, you know, it was so profound. I went up to Jerusalem. I checked it with Kephas, you know, with Peter. I'm on, on board with the apostles. He goes through all these things, um, which is very beautiful. 
And so it would be like you coming back, like, no, look, I was ordained by, you know, I was ordained by Archbishop Chaput. He was established by, you know, St. Paul, John Paul II. Like, th- there's this long tradition. It's not about yeah, me. He, he formed Bishop Conley, who installed me as pastor. Who, yeah. Who, who is actually, who are deep in the tradition with, uh, with Samuel Aquila, who now yeah. actually maintains and checks and supports and, yeah. and guards me. But the reason I think it's so fitting in the context of the thing, because so that could lead you to ask, well, what does that have to do with anything we've been talking about? That is exactly what I was asking in my heart. Exactly what it has, but it's exactly what we've been talking about because Elijah, so the danger with somebody like Elijah and someone like Paul is to be like, oh, I just raised somebody from the dead. Like I managed to have these things be multiplied. And I wonder on some level if... I mean, God needs to keep us all in check. Right. And you have a profoundly um, blessed ministry, and you're profoundly talented at what you do. But I also know that you've got a deep humility, and God rocks you a lot because yeah. you and I are both the kind of people I think could get very big heads if given the opportunity, yeah. which is very dangerous. And Elijah might be as well, and Paul definitely is, and he says it about himself. And I imagine, you know, and again, God's ways are bigger than ours, but Elijah's pretty excited about multiplying all this food. And then he's like, but the kid die like oh no yeah i am powerless i can, there's nothing i can do he and then to see god work yeah. through him yeah he'll constantly stretch you to the place yes. where you were totally incapable yes. even if he's giving amazing gifts and that that's actually the wonderment about elijah and uh, the wonderment about about the saints yeah. are that they give themselves where they don't even have anything at all yeah. and then the lord's like he keep on giving it keep on doing it i mean it's just the truth he just goes and then you're like Oh my gosh! And the next thing you know, you look up and you're on you're out uh, on a limb, past a limb, in the middle of the air. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're out there, and your only life is grace. To which the only response is what Paul says: Look, the gospel that's preached to you is not from me or from human origin. It's from God Himself. It's not about me. It's not about Paul. It's not about Scott and Father Peter. It's not about Camp Boytio. It's not about any of those things. It's about Jesus at work. Right. And the fact that we're stripped down a lot mm-hmm. is our constant reminder that, no, I'm not that great. I can't do this. Yeah. And, you know, that, that great line from the gospel is, unless God is building the house, the workers work in vain, the laborers labor in vain. If you're building your own house and it's about you, then it's going to crash and burn. That's the truth. And I'm sure there's been plenty of priests and plenty of pastors and plenty of Catholic teachers and professors who have made it about them and they've crashed and burned or will in some capacity. Right. And that's a terrifying reality. It is. But that's also what's the crazy part, though, is that's also the gift. Because hmm. he's like, the Lord's like, dude, I, I, I'm so much more interested in your salvation yeah. and your life in, in me than in some sort of fleeting temporary crown of this laurel yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's good yeah yeah laurel crowns man laurel crowns dude or like a shiny silvery stanley cup which takes us straight into nain 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 dude nain doesn't nain sound like that sounds some like some corporate name (laughs) Like S.C. Johnson Wax? <laughs> like Johnson & Johnson? Yeah, like the Nain Corporation. It, <laughs> sounds, it, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds like Corp. some sort of like clandestine group that's like creating things. <laughs> it sounds like a, a James Bond villain. Nain. The Nain Corporation. What? Bane. Bane. Oh, yeah, from Bane. Bane from that's Batman. what you're thinking of. So Jesus is journeying to a city called Nain, which is up north. We're, we're not too far from Zarephath, where... Uh, Elijah worked his miracle. We're kind of just 
Nain is uh, just southwest of the Galilee. Right? Is, so is it kind of on there. the boundary? It's real. No. Why is there a pun there? Yeah, because I was just going to say, in Nain, in the membrane. Oh. Wow. (laughs) Dude, that one took set up, dude. Don't even think that I'm not true. Anyway, we're right next door to Nazareth, if that puts it in context. Okay. So that's where Nain is. So there he is in Nain. So there I I was in Nain. (laughs) And his disciples, and there's this large crowd, as they grew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out, and uh, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So again, there's a widow. There's this mother, her son has died, he's being carried out. Probably, so culturally speaking, the way that you would have done a funeral ceremony, mm-hmm. they would have been, it probably would have been a public casket, which means a, a coffin with the top removed. Uh, so you could actually see the body, which is important for what happens next. Dude, are you sure these are not just inane details? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> but this is kind of, I mean, this is a strange... <laughs> Dude, come on, it. dude. That was one of my best puns of no, all time ever, it was dude. Good. It was good. <laughs> we can do a lot with Nain, I bet. Oh, yeah, we really can. Oh, okay. So so it's an open casket, most likely. Probably. And so there's this huge crowd doing this funeral in the city, coming out of the city gates, right? And then Jesus just walks up to the mom. Doesn't probably doesn't know her, although Nazareth is right up the street, so you never know. Yeah. But he walks up to her and he's like, Hey, he don't played basketball there. He might have played against the Nain. <laughs> it was it was Nazareth versus Nain. The Nazareth uh, Tigers versus the Nain Leopards. I don't. I can't think of anything funny. I'm gonna <laughs> cut that out. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he goes up and he's he's moved with pity. I love Luke. Often will give us these little details about Jesus' emotions. Yes. He just before this he he had this moment where he said Jesus was amazed. Here it says he's moved with pity by her. And he says, do not weep. And then he stepped forward and he touched the coffin. And all the pallbearers halted. And Jesus, like, yells, young man, I tell you, arise. And imagine, you know, you're just watching this open casket. And the dead guy just pops up. And he begins to speak. He's dude, like, hey. Dude, I, up, everybody? I would tell you, that will be that would be a day that you would never forget ever, 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 ever. Especially if you're the dead guy. <laughs> and then Jesus gave him to his mother, which means Jesus had to carry him. At some point, which is exactly what Elijah does when he takes the boy in her ar- from her arms, right? Yeah. And uh, fear and, and fear sees them. So the response to this, which and I guess rightly, so, you want to read this and be like, well, they should have had more faith. But a dead guy, I, I don't want to see a dead guy. That would be scary. I don't know. I think that'd be scary. If you're doing a funeral and you're doing a funeral procession and the guy just pops up, I'd be freaked out. Dude, I, I mean, it, last night we were around the uh, campfire and... Uh, Everybody was really quiet and very meditative, at which point Sam Powell says, do you believe in zombies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, and somebody they, was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, yeah. But, which is funny because I, I, that's what I would, I would be like, I mean, my, my first instinct would be they didn't die. Yeah. My second instinct would be like, are they the undead? And this is the end times. My third instinct would be like, dude, what spells do I have? I'm just kidding. Because- what smells or spells? Because, okay. like, I, I used to play a, a lot of role playing games. D and D, baby. D and D. So, I, no, I'm just kidding. That was a joke on that last <laughs> one. But, like, I mean, like, really, it would be it would be absolutely terrifying in a way that would be um, a reanimated dead person. But, but here's the thing with the response what? that he gets. So, I mean, fear sees them, rightly so, and they glorified God. And the response was, "This is a great prophet who's arisen in our midst." Like, if somebody came and raised somebody up from the dead during a funeral i mean well, how would people respond i mean you've done a lot of funeral masses if somebody <laughs> just pops up from the dead like you somebody pops out of the congregation puts their hand on the coffin and they come up 
I mean, what would people in the congregation do? Like, they would freak out. They'd be like, what? You're a magician. or Literally, people would be so shocked, but then they would be, like, so rejoicing. You want to talk about the- Would they be rejoicing, or would they be freaking out? uh, Yes. See, because here- Both and. Like, like people would be like, oh, my gosh, they wouldn't be able to process it, and then, like, it would be so much. But that's the thing. I think these people can process it, because it's not unprecedented. For us, we're like- Oh my gosh, that's I have no category for that except zombie movies and stuff. Right. For these people, there is a sort of a category because they know the scriptures. They know the story of Elijah. They know this is not unprecedented. So the response is not, oh, you're a crazy weirdo monster magician or, or zombie whatever. They're like, oh, you are a prophet because we know people who do this kind of thing. We've yeah. seen this kind of thing before. This is it. We this know is, that you're like Elijah. We've this is canon, this. yeah. There is a context for yeah. them, which is which is profound, I think. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, St. Ambrose actually has a commentary on this passage, which I find really beautiful because you want— This is, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, there's three times that Jesus raises somebody from the dead other mm-hmm. than himself. Okay. So there's Jairus' daughter, remember yep. that? Uh, there's this guy, and then there's Lazarus. So three times he raises people from the dead, and then it's all trumped when he raises himself. Yeah. But St. Ambrose kind of takes us a step beyond, because one of the problems in the gospel is you have all these people who are really prone to wanting to follow Jesus because he does the cool stuff, and he works the miracles, and it's all the stuff. Which, I mean, Jesus gets really angry a lot of the time about that. I'm like, stop looking for the stuff, and stop looking for the, you know, the smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Not that it's smoke and mirrors. This is not a performance. He, what he, well, well, yeah, that's exactly what he is saying. He's saying, yeah. this is not a performance of some miracles, that everything that I do is in, intentional to actually direct you to understand what the plan and the mission has been since the very beginning and where we're going from now on. So in a certain sense, Elijah exists to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus is doing this to prepare the way for him raising himself from the dead. But he himself is raised from the dead to prepare for something else. Which we kind of, you know, it's not quite it, the end of line. This is what St. Ambrose says. He gives this whole, um, uh, you know, this, this analogy. And he talks about, look, the mother, the weeping widow, actually represents on a certain level Mother Church. The Catholic Church herself who weeps over her children who are dead to sin. Or, or even think of just the people of God. Well Israel done. is the weeping widow who weeps over the loss of those of us who turn away from the faith, who die in our sin. Yeah. But what is Jesus here to do? He's here to bring us back to life and to take us in his arms and to hand us back to our mother, hmm. to our church, where we can be fully alive again and live this out. It's not just about Jesus working a bunch of cool miracles. It's about the fact that we have the capacity to be this dead man in the coffin who is called out of our death into life and handed back to our mother by Jesus, which is ultimately what he wants to do. That's why he rose from the dead, not just to show everybody how cool he is, but so that we can all be given newness of life on a physical level and on a spiritual level, that we can be alive and and resurrected from our sin here and now, which is the more, I don't want to say if it's more important, but in a certain sense, it, it trumps the physical death. Yes. Because we need to be spiritually brought to life. So I, I liked that that um, reflection from Ambrose. Well, yeah. Well, what I like about it, too, is is, is it points to the fact that when we have, whenever we see Jesus taking up these Old Testament themes, he's not doing them apart from the themes themselves. Yeah. He's, it, it's, it's like if I say to you, the dude abides, mm. then you can think of a particular movie or, you the know, uh, we're off to see the wizard. 
you know, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. This is a fun game. Let's keep going. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> it was sad, you guys. We sang the theme song to Cheers Where before the podcast, and Keenan didn't name. even know it. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. It was just the millennials, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's a sad life, dude. So, so yeah. So there's sorry. So, so there's that that reality where Jesus is, is taking up these these themes, so that as he is is raising the dead, they're thinking about the three stretchings. Yeah, and we can think mm. about these. Th- mm. So, so that it's it's not just this. It's the not- three stretches is a fun. So downward dog. And the, uh, <laughs> the, the, that's the only stretch. The, 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 Sorry, the can, child's uh, pose. Now you know how it feels to be me. Yeah. <laughs> and be real with all your profound thoughts, dude. That's it, it. Feels really difficult. Frustrating. It's like it's like hold on. You're like <laughs> I must focus. It it demands a hyper focus that I'm not used to doing. Yep. And um, so, it, which actually brings us back to how we talked about you know, um, Elijah leads to Elisha. Mm. John the Baptist to Jesus, Jesus to the church. Yeah. These are these three stretches of which are actually being taken up f- so that it's not just no, the, the, the battle is no longer just against the things of this world, but it's against the principalities and the powers. It's actually the, the upward swing, the upward directionality of humanity's yeah. integration into the Trinitarian life Absolutely. and the purification that comes only through Jesus Christ through the triple baptism that you, that he throws down yeah. the triple, like, dude, this was really profound. There's a lot of really cool stuff here. Yeah. Big time. That's all I got. Dude, that's all I got. What too. else is there to say? I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you guys, so thanks for listening. We love you. God bless you. Thanks. We, thanks Keenan for being a part of it. Cheetos and Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.